well, well. Episode 27 of the Bad Buddhism Podcast with your host, Anthony Boyd. So, it's been quite a while since I've uploaded a podcast. And despite taking my time doing so, the, the again, the listens... I said this last podcast or the podcast before that one, but the listens just keep going up, which is odd because I don't do any promo for this podcast and none of that. I just like to come on here and I like to, to share what's going on in this big ass head of mine with you guys. And I appreciate you guys listening because um, it shows that a lot of people out there are interested in hearing a um, hearing my perspective, whatever perspective that is. And um, I think it's a a nuanced perspective or developing perspective because um, (laughs) despite this podcast being somewhat of a curated um, medium for my most advanced philosophical ideas, or I guess you can say uh, something along the lines of my most advanced philosophical ideas, because I'd say it gets more advanced when you actually speak to me in person. When you speak to me in person, you can actually see me think these things through and develop them in real time. The podcast is somewhat formatted and stuff because I have notes and all that stuff. But it's very interesting for this type of philosophy or line of thinking to develop in real time. But um, Happy New Year, by the way. We are in 2021, which is just just look at 2021 for a second like just look at the look at the number look at the date 2021 right it looks very much uh dystopian it looks very post-apocalyptic it looks very uh it looks something out of it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie or something out of a dystopian novel you know there's something very uh i guess orwellian about 2021 or <laughs> brave new world about 2021 um or fahrenheit 451 about 2021 right is it fahrenheit 451 i believe that's the name of the movie but that's where seeds and guns comes in seeds and guns and i can't take full credit for that that name i can't take full credit for that term um i got it from a gentleman named Daniel Meisler from his website. So I've been studying technology, cybersecurity for um, since, I guess, for the past, what, I guess, 11 months. It's been a while. I guess I would say since uh, since the summertime of 2020. And um, I, I've been meeting some really interesting people. And these are people that, remind me of myself typically the people that are you know they're they're, they're a little bit older daniel meisler i believe is like in his mid 40s early 40s forgive me if he, if if he's somehow listening to this and i you know aged him too much but um <laughs> um you know these are forward-thinking people i well the ones that i've been reading up on daniel meisler uh cal newport i believe is, a, is is another one he wrote uh deep work and digital minimalism um i don't think daniel meisler has any books but he has a shit ton of blogs he has about maybe 
3,000 blog posts or something like that written over the course um, of the last, what, 22 years? He had his site since, what, 1999, I believe, this blog from, since 1999. And the seeds and guns term is where I got it from. I was reading his blog post that said, why I'm staying in the stock market. And he wrote this post in July of 2020, right? Like right smack dab in the middle of the year, right? And it's particularly this part of the blog post that I can uh, credit to Seeds and Guns, right? The name of this podcast. And actually you know, the subject matter of this podcast as well, because a lot of his subject matter on his website is typically things that I think about and value and hold dear. Um, you know, the thing with cybersec people is they're very, it seems to me that they're very secretive by nature and I'm very secretive by nature. So, you know, there's a lot of alignment that comes into play when I read a lot of their work, a lot of their pieces, a lot of their books, and I feel like it's a long lost tribe <laughs> that I have to I have a lot of catching up to do, because although my background is in um, engineering, which includes computer science, which, which includes physics, mathematics, all of those things, um, I had taken for a very long time a turn into psychology, philosophy, sociology, things of that, that nature, because, you know, I haven't really did I really tell anybody this but i've been a huge computer tech type of person since i was like i don't know like very young i, I don't really recall like what six seven when my mom uh brought home this <laughs> she brought home this computer and i don't i think it was a, of course it was a windows computer it wasn't mac but i did use mac before i did did it before I used uh, uh, Windows, but she brought home this Windows computer and she had brought a very thick uh, phone book, thick book of commands home with the computer. And it was for MS-DOS. So that's where I started really getting into the computer stuff, the tech world. I, I started using a Macintosh, Macintosh Plus when I was in the first grade. Um, a teacher named Mrs. McCarthy, Mrs. McCarthy or Miss McCarthy. She was like very, she was like a, a, a drill sergeant, but she had us learning that computer, like the back of our hands. And that's mostly what my life was like computers, tech stuff. I was troubleshooting networks, all sorts of stuff like that. But then I got real tired of it and I just, you know, you know, pivoted and went to psychology. I was studying to be a civil engineer at first, and then I was just so bored. Like, it was just, I guess it was, I don't know. Like, I guess I've been doing, like, engineering stuff, computer stuff, um, all of those type of things, math, and all of those type of things. For, like, that's been my identity for so long up until that point that I just decided, I'm like, ah, I want to do something different. Psychology has always been something that's, that I've been drawn to. So I ended up going that route. But anyway, it's nice to kind of like pivot back and get to know some of the tech people, you know, especially because they're a little bit older. 
and the way that they're you know visionaries and the way that they see the world is very interesting to me so seeds and guns is i really i really like the name of that title or that, that term because it really encapsulates what uh 2020 felt like it really encapsulates what 2021 might be who knows because we're already getting off to a rough start and i'm not going to mention any crazy current events that's been happening happening within the first week of 2021 but um it kind of feels like that right but before i get into any more of the seeds and guns explanation i want to read off a little bit of the the blog post that i got it from this is um i'm gonna post all of these in the uh description in the uh the the caption or whatever it is not the caption but the description so that you guys can read it if you're interested in interested in reading the whole article but this article is why i'm staying in the stock market right so somewhere towards the end he says let's say i'm 50 which is approaching quickly i can either spend the next 20 to 30 years outside of the stock market buying land hoarding cash and preparing for the revolution or i can strap in and hope for the best and i choose b right so i'm guessing what he means by i choose b is that he wants to strap in and hope for the best right but the problem with strapping in and hoping for the best is this i don't know it's it's kind of like you know anybody who's you know like i i would guess like extremely intelligent or imaginative cannot help but think hmm am i making the right decision by strapping in and hoping for the best nobody who's actually smart which is what daniel is very smart wants to depend necessarily on hope right like a brain that's 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 always thinking about risk that's always thinking about threats is always going to be thinking about risk and threats so it's like who wants to sit there and hope for the best and i know that's how my mind works right which is why I've been on the the the, the seeds and gun side uh, since m- last March, and and that's typically because of the way that people typically react to um, um, impending danger, or or when they when they the way that people act when they're in a fearful state, you know, rather than being rational and forward thinking and 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 um, reasonable they get crazy and you know and that's typically why i'd rather be seeds and guns you know be cautious right but then seeds and guns is a little bit crazy and and this is where he explains it right i'm gonna keep reading ultimately it comes down to one thing until society collapse the stock market will likely do decently well under biden or trump and if society collapses, well, I'm screwed anyway. And my cash likely won't be worth anything. The currency then will be far more tangible and dystopian than green cloth rectangles. Right? So I guess he's 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 talking about gold. The currency then will be far more tangible and dystopian than green cloth uh, ta- uh, rectangles. So I'm, I'm guessing that's, you know, he's saying, you know, gold over over paper. Right. Which makes sense, you know, and the currency or not even it could be literally seeds and guns. Right. So here he's, he, he goes on to say, 
I think the cautious person without enough to retire on looking to maximize future safety and happiness has a few options when it comes to stocks. One, prepare for post-revolution by getting out of the stock market, moving away from the city, and becoming self-sufficient. Two, hope for the best, invest significantly into the stock market to make what you can before the fall, and be ready to sell when things start going bad, at which point you move to number one. Number three, don't do either and just wait for the jaws of life to close on you or not. He goes on to say, the problem with number three is that for many people, it won't get them to retirement. The problem with number one is that it's fear-based, pessimistic, and there's a good chance that the world will be fine and you'll be sitting alone on a ranch counting bullets waiting to die. <laughs> that shit's funny right there because... You know, as I was going all seeds and guns, right, it, it, it was fear based and, eh, you know, a little bit pessimistic. But I beg to differ in a few regards. If it was fear based, I would say it's obviously fear of other people. Right. You know, when things like 2020 happened, you know, somebody like me and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people, you know, like myself, don't really fear the events around them because look, I grew up in the hood, right? <laughs> I grew up in the hood. I grew up poor. You know, I'm not afraid of poverty. I'm not afraid of, you know, surviving. I'm not afraid of doing what I got to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm not afraid of that. What I'm afraid of is people, people's reactions, right? To problems that they can more than likely solve themselves, or solve if everybody just works together. But, you know, collectivism is not really people's um, strong suit these days. You know, because once people start to fear for their life, they start thinking, me, 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 grab, 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 push, push, push everybody away, right? That's exactly what I was thinking about when I first heard about, you know, the 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 um, the pandemic reaching or the, the, the coronavirus reaching the United States. I was like, oh, let me go buy, let me go buy some stuff because... People are going to, you know, raid the shelves and, and look what people did. People were just raiding the shelves, you know, and I made sure that at that point, like I don't usually follow the news, but I was making sure that I followed the news enough when I heard about that because I was starting to think, oh, man, I know how people are going to react. People are going to definitely raid the, they're going to, you know, raid. And it's, I'm not really making like, you know, saying it's a negative that people reacted that way. It's, it's, it makes sense. Why people reacted that way. But I was just like, uh, you know what? Let me get ahead of this. So it was the same thing with the seeds and guns mentality, where it's just like, you know, I'm like, damn, like, where we where are we gonna be if things really do hit the fan? You know, let me prepare, right? Um, pessimistic, hmm. I would say, I would say it is a little bit pessimistic. You can say it's a little bit pessimistic, but you know, from my perspective, you know, seeing certain things, you know, putting your, your ear to the ground, you hear a lot of things and it's like, damn, man, people were already, you know, just trying to make it as is. And then here comes, you know, this pandemic and now shit really hitting the fan. And, you know, that's enough to really push people over the edge. So I was just, again, responding, you know, and I think people should still, you know, be in the mindset of, you know, 
forward thinking what can happen because the market is not certain, right? The economy is not certain. Even though things are starting to seem like they're, you know, looking up, you never know what's right around the corner. And I don't want to be pessimistic. I don't want to be that pessimistic. But again, it's that 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 threat type of mentality that comes around or comes into into play with the imagination. Right. And then you got to think about how other people are going to react. You know, are other people going to, you know, take a you know what I like. Right. What I what I discovered, I discovered. And I've always been into <laughs> survivalists and uh, preppers and stuff like that. I used to always like kind of like, uh, I guess, read up on it a little bit and go, hmm, it'd be cool to live off the grid and be self-sufficient and stuff like that. You know, but then, you know, I'm a city boy. So I was just like really not really diving into that line of thought like there was no way i was gonna be like oh you know what would be a great idea i'm gonna leave the city and uh just go to the woods like that was never gonna happen but in 2020 like i was really like oh yo i really wouldn't mind getting off the grid right now man and just being you know just keeping my little small circle or whatever but um you know i don't know it's it's maybe maybe it is it is pessimism or what have you but um, anyway i'm getting off topic rambling too much um let me see uh yeah so he's so he says okay and the problem with number two is that you never know when the rubber band train or rubber band train are we using rubber bands or trains is going to snap so you have a chance at getting to a healthy retirement and you have a chance of losing big with no ranch to fall back on. The best answer is probably a hybrid, but that's hard to pull off. You buy some land somewhere, but don't go full seeds and guns. You stay in the stock market, but not too aggressively. And you just watch the situation closely. That's probably the smartest. And it's what I consider the advanced version of number two. Anyway, that's my plan and why and i'd love to hear how your analysis is similar or differs yo my analysis this is my analysis to seeds and guns this whole intro was my analysis to seeds and guns and i'm glad he he says that and welcomes that uh that analysis and and how it's similar like i'm very similar to that right look what he says he says um let me see the best answer is probably a hybrid but that's hard to pull off you buy some land somewhere, but you don't go full seeds and guns. You stay in the stock market, but not too aggressively. And you just watch the situation closely. That's been me. When the stock market crashed, if you will, back in March, yo, 30% of my portfolio was just, it was just gone. Just like that. 30% of my portfolio just said, uh, just, it's it just it just evaporated. Well, it didn't evaporate because they say, you know, you don't you don't um what they said you 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 don't lose until you sell or something like that, right? So I didn't sell once it hit thirty percent. Like it it was like down like twenty nine point something percent, whatever. I don't want to think about it, but it was down, and I said, oh wow, as soon as this shit rebounds just a little bit, I am pulling out. I am pulling out, and um traumatizing traumatizing like 30 i'm used to okay five percent here maybe ten percent the most my portfolio was down was 12 percent, right and i was just like okay 12 percent. i forgot what had happened but it was at 12 percent. it was it was down 12 percent. and i was like okay cool cool that's not a problem 
right? That, that'll always rebound. And it did, right? Because that was at a point, at that point, my portfolio had typically, you know, always, was always positive and I would always average down. And, you know, when th- when it goes down, I'd always buy things cheap. But, and I wanted to do that in, in, in back in March when it was down 30%. But I was just like, that was when I was like super fear-based. Like I was like, nah, I've never seen this number before ever. So I pulled out and I was in cash all the way up until recently. <laughs> I was like, I was hoarding cash. Like I'm like, yo, I am not, I am not, I am not. So, you know, I started to just, you know, things seem to be getting a little better. And I'm I'm just like, I don't know. I'm still kind of like iffy about it. And I want to go on record and say it. Like, I don't know. I think, you know, again, I feel like, you don't know, by, by March, by April, you know, it might get a little, might get a little, you know, questionable. I just, I just feel that, you know, I just, I just feel it. I don't know. I just, I just feel that. Right. And this is not uh, investing advice at all. So I'm not a, I'm not a stockbroker or a licensed stockbroker or whatever. I can't give you advice on the stock market, but I've been tiptoeing, tiptoeing and I just, you know, been inching in a little bit, just like, okay, okay. All right, let's do this. And I'm, I'm just watching the situation closely. <laughs> that is what I'm doing right now. So, yeah, the seeds and guns approach. You know, you take the, take the hybrid approach, right? You don't go full seeds and guns. And I think that a lot of people have been contemplating that for the past year, right? Or however many months. It feels like, it feels like everything went by quick, but at the same time, or the time is going by quick, but at the same time, it feels like 2021 was like the longest year ever. But yeah, um, so that's where I got the Seeds and Guns title from. You know, um, 2021 has that same, it, it has that that same kind of like feel to it, you know, with the with the transition of uh, presidents and all that stuff. And, and you know, the the hyperbole of social media and the news you know it does feel like it does feel like that because again it's about for me personally it's my it's about i guess my reaction to people the way that people behave and i wouldn't mind going seeds and guns in general full seeds and guns in general because people man people are weird you know, you, you got people who just read the news 24-7 and just build up all of that fear in their body and it causes them to get sick and mentally mentally ill and, 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 and they don't take care of themselves. And you're just like, yo, are you good? Like, yo, are you good? Are you okay? And I'm not knocking people who, are, who have mental health problems or all of that stuff. But I am very, very passionate about not letting the news make you sick. Because there's an unlimited amount of incentive to keep on writing clickbait doomsday articles. And those articles typically don't contain too much information in it. It just seems like, you know, it's like the article is just like, okay, look, this is what's happening. And it may or may not even be true. Um, This is what's happening. This is my opinion on it. The world is going to crash. And it's like, come on, man. You know, and they like to put little things in there to make you keep reading and stuff. I will tell you, though, when I do check the news, I go to this uh, website. I download this app, as a matter of fact. The website was so good, I just decided to 
you know, give it real estate on my phone. It's called allsides.com, or you can just download the app, All Sides. Um, what is it called? Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let me make sure I got it. Let me look on my phone. It's called, dang, where is it? I think I lost it. These people upstairs are just going crazy. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, it's called All Sides, allsides.com. Um, definitely check that out. It gives you three different perspectives on uh, a specific event, if you will. Um, very interesting. Now that I think about it, it's like three different. Hmm, I don't know. Well, it's give, it gives you the Republican side or the right. It gives you the center and it gives you the left. Right. And it gives you different out, new uh, different outlets to read from. If I'm really interested in a in a in a in an event of event, if a, if an event tongue tied. If an event is, you know, appealing to me, what I like to do is I would read all three of the articles, you know, um, all three sides of it. And, you know, form my, I guess, a judgment from there. See where these articles cross reference and, I, you know, see where I can make a judgment from there. But you can't really make judgments based off of what's in the news because I feel like they just put a bunch of fear-based stuff in there on purpose i don't have any proof of it besides the pudding but there's that so we're gonna go into our next segment so just uh just hold tight privacy get over it hmm we don't have privacy get over it so i'm pretty sure that in 2021 a lot of you know that we do not have any privacy right and there's i guess a few a few opinions on that right a few approaches to it as well i'm going to talk about the approaches i personally think that there's four approaches to uh reconciling with that statement and one of them i i'm actually really 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 fond of and i actually practice myself to some extent um <clears throat> for not necessarily for necessary for privacy reasons but i guess it kind of subconsciously became that way i'll discuss that later in a bit but um we don't have any privacy right and this is another um this is another area where daniel meisler captivated me with his perspective um with privacy because he kind of like mended it with security because you know when you think about it privacy is a security issue as well and security with regards to your personal accounts your bank accounts your your uh your social medias your whatever account whatever account you have that have security questions and um you know uh you know if you can do two fa two factor authentication and all of, all of this stuff is directly linked to your data right your information and the scary there's so many ways that i can really approach this topic and i guess i'm just gonna be disorganized like i usually am when, on these podcasts but 
first of all, we're not even going to be talking about the government. Like the government, we don't have any privacy when it comes to the government. And that's something that I really, I don't know, I'm, I don't feel like that's a big deal. Like, I just think that we're, once we were born into whatever government we were born into, you know, we had no choice. We opted into a game that we didn't choose to play. And um, that's just the way it is. Like, I, I really don't know what to say about the government aspect of it because you know if you have a driver's license if you buy a house if you file taxes if you have a i don't yeah cell phone i guess not even so much of that but there's so many things when it comes to privacy that i'm just like uh whatever the government whatever my angle and my approach is um mainly about businesses man because businesses are creepy like these businesses are super creepy like with the way that they collect and use our data, right? And if you don't believe me, Google your name. <laughs> Google your name. There's so many different angles we can approach this on. Like I said, you you want privacy for many different reasons, right? I would say the main reasons you want privacy is so that you don't get ads every five minutes or you get you don't get intrusive ads so you don't have things listening to you to sell you ads or what have you. If you're a criminal and you're listening to this, I have nothing to tell you because this is not one of those kind of podcasts. Um, I mean, if 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 you're doing bad things and you um, want to be private, well, I have nothing. I have really nothing to tell you about that because, you know, that's another that's another thing. Like if, if you're doing criminal activity on the Internet. Like, I really feel like that's a that's a huge commitment. We're going to get into that approach, too. Like, we're going to talk about, like, being a criminal on the Internet is like, I don't know. It's a very, um, you got you got to be committed because there's a there's a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through. There's a bunch of things that you have to do. But anyway, that's another we're going to get to that in a second. But I'm mainly talking about businesses collecting your data. Um, I'm talking about. um and I'm talking about uh, protecting yourself from, you know, your accounts being hacked. Oh, also, if you are applying for a job and you don't necessarily want your your online avatar, because we all have an online avatar that's different from our in-person uh, avatar, because that's just human nature. You know, when we're anonymous, we have not the freedom we feel like we have the freedom to be our true selves you know or 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 we have in some cases a lot of cases we some people fall victim to de-individuation where they join this mass of people on the internet get into a crowd and you know they have their favorite team whatever their favorite political team is whatever even sports team and they act in ways that they wouldn't act if they were off the internet. You know, if they were on, if they were, they were um, on the road, and somebody said something. I mean, it's that's starting to change. But if somebody says something about their political affiliation or their religious affili affiliation, you know, they they still be a little bit more. I just say a little bit more. Um, I guess amicable or 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 conscientious about the way that they respond to that person 
who is saying something about <laughs> their team, right? On the internet, it's like the gloves are off. People act crazy on the internet. People think that they can say and do whatever they want on the internet, but little do they know, little do they know that they're not as anonymous as they think they are. If someone really, really wants to figure you out, find you out, they can. You know, if they're really dedicated to it, they can. It's it's really not that hard. So even even myself, because again, we're gonna get into my approach, what I how I choose to approach the internet, because and what I think the internet is, and what I've thought the internet was for a very long time, um, and kind of still is. Um, if you Google yourself right now, you know, you'll probably find you probably find so much information on yourself. If you go to spookyo.com, S-P-O-K-E-O.com, and you type your name in or someone you know's name in, you can find, like, the information on it is so ridiculous. And that's because of our, um, you know, willingness to publicly give our information. We give our information out, and then the information is just publicly available. So, um you know, if you, you 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 have all this information of yourself on the Internet and it's connecting you to family members, um, different relatives and stuff like that, then, you know, that's a security issue. It could be a physical security issue and it could be a virtual uh, cyber security issue as well when it comes to your accounts. How many of your accounts has um, security questions such as uh, what is your mother's maiden name or what state was your brother-in-law born in and uh, little things like that. People could Google your name and just figure out the answers to all of your security questions uh, just with the information that you have um, publicly available on record, right? It's ridiculous. And these companies, there's these companies that are responsible for aggregating that data and just nicely, neatly, packaging it up and putting it on these these websites you know just for somebody to just google and figure it out and you know it's dangerous because you can have an ex that googles uh googles your name and then just try to inquire about your life or they try to um you know it could be a d domestic violence type issue you're trying to get away from an ex and somebody's chased and, and and they're chasing you or what have you you know and and you have all this information up there, the, the last place you live, where you're living now, who your neighbors are, all of that stuff, what your neighbor, it's all they need is your name. All they need is your name to Google. They can find somebody else's name and, you know, they can do a whole bunch of social engineering. You can look that up. Social engineering is a very, very interesting thing. It's a way of hacking people, you know, literally like hacking people, not hacking their computers or devices, but literally talking to someone in such a way that they reveal some information um, some private information, right? So these businesses are aggregating this this data, compiling this data, and putting it on the internet for everybody to see, right? So um, I read this uh, article, right, by Daniel Meisler, and again, I want to say that I'm talking with regard privacy with regard to these to these businesses that want to collect data on you and sell you stuff and. Um, with regard to, uh, to, to to people that you don't really want, like regular people, you don't really want finding things out about your personal life. You know, maybe you, you know, have a, you know, have an ex and you moved on with your life and you don't want them knowing information about you and stuff like that. And then it even gets deeper, gets deeper than that. But I read this article that really intrigued me by Daniel Meisler, right? 
It's called A Future Without Privacy. And I guess this article is, was written in 2017, so it was updated in 2019, right? And the article says, if you listen to the main voices on privacy, con privacy concerns, they're all saying something like this. One, privacy is possible in 2017 and beyond. Two, we're losing ground right now. Three, but don't worry, we can fix it. Well, one out of three ain't bad. He goes on to say, the truth is that privacy is going away permanently. To see how and why, let's step through a few concepts. So that's going back to, um, you know, this, this, the name of this segment, we don't have privacy, get over it. Right. And I'm really on that side too. like, we really don't have privacy, so we do need to get over it. But again, there's, there's, there's four approaches to that, right? There's four approaches to that. And I'm the type of person that like to take, I don't know, I like to take accountability and like to take what I can in my own hands. And you're going to see that in one of the approaches, but before doing that, before we go into that, I just want to talk about this formula that he introduced in this in this blog post. Right. And I'm going to post this uh, in the description as well. Right. He says in information security, there's a formula used for risk that looks like this. Risk equal probability times impact. And he goes on to say it's multiplication. So as something either gets more likely to happen or hurts more when it does, the risk goes up. So he's talking about probability times impact, right? Probability is something either gets more likely to happen and impact is hurts more when it does, right? So we got two variables in there, right? That determines what risk is. Risk is probability times impact. Very, very interesting concept because I, I guess like subconsciously for a long time, I've known that the Internet is not as private as we think it is. And I've always kind of like taken pride in hiding as much of my identity as possible online, even though I knew in the back of my head. Yeah, man, like I'm easily I'm tracked like these companies are still tracking my location, these companies. And that's the that's, again, that's the ant that's the question. Who who am I hiding from? Right. Who am I, you know, uh, uh, want to be private from? And that's what a lot of people want to ask when I ask you. Right. They want to say, uh, what do you have to hide? Right. Or some people like to say, I have nothing to hide, so I don't I don't need to be private. And we're going to talk about that in, in the approaches to this reconciliation of not having privacy. Right. Like some people, when they when they hear when they hear we don't have privacy, get over it. Right. They respond to that in different ways. Some people will be in denial or some people or maybe I'm in denial. Some people will be in denial and some people will be, you know, like, uh, well, I don't care about it that much anyway. And, you know, I guess not caring about it can be kind of like related to the, the equation variable um impact right so he goes on to say with privacy we have a bad situation literally on both sides of this equation 
for probability, we're quickly moving towards the Internet of Things, where billions and then trillions of network systems will be online. And the electricity flowing through these systems will not be amps and volts, but data. Your data, as it turns out, and mind. Mine. This is a problem that's getting worse, not better. The plummeting costs of storage, the commonplace of social media, and the rise of data science powered by big data are all points, all pointing us to one to a one-directional flow of data away from us and into the global internet. It's true, right? It's not a company that has your data or hundred or a hundred companies. It's thousands, and that number is rising as a, at a massive rate. Excuse me. I can't read. I'm kind of tired. Can't read right now. Um, he goes on to say, because of big data and machine learning, we're just now starting to see the power that this data holds. And now that industry has had a taste, they're completely obsessed, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's pretty much, that's pretty much the gist of it like what i really got from this article was that was that equation risk equals probability times impact like i'm, I'm just i'm obsessed with that equation well besides the fact that i love math i'm obsessed with that equation because there's something in there that you can control right you can indirectly control risk by reducing the impact that someone having your data has right you could reduce the impact that you know whatever data that's already out there has on you right because it's multiplication right he says in the article obviously we know how to do this 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 equation we know how to multiply right risk equal eight times eight equals 64 right but risk equal nine times eight equals 72 right so when you have you know, probability being nine and impact being eight, you get 72. It's, it's gone up. Right. So he says, so here's where things get weird. The best thing we could do to address this problem long-term is to assume probabilities at 10 and work on addressing the impact. Right. So you can work on addressing the impact. Right. And, and I guess this, these are where the approaches that I'm going to talk about comes in. Right. If you want to make privacy less of a concern, we simply have to find a way to become less concerned about it. That's a word game. Yes, but it's also a numbers game. Watch what happens when we bring down the impact number. Risk equal nine times four equal 36. Yeah, so that is, that's, that's, yeah, right? You can control that impact, right? He goes, fine. You say lower the number. You say, how do we do that? Great question. And I have an answer. We need to and will migrate away from a world in which merely having information equates to authorization. Right. So that's where the whole um, I, I guess that's where the, uh, the the security concern comes in. Right. And I guess he's going to go into multi-factor authentication. And um, um, yeah, he goes into multi-factor authentication and. Uh, two-factor authentication how currently when you go to buy a car and when you go to apply for a credit card you know you got to give a few pieces of information to prove that you are who you say you are right and you know we, we, we've already moved in that direction 
you know, we've already moved in that direction where we have multi-factor authentication. We have we, we, we have right now we're using two factor mainly. And we have multi-factor authentication becoming more of a, I guess, a thing as we move further into the future. Right now, this is where the fork in the road is where I guess I kind of go left or I kind of go right, depending on, uh, <laughs> I guess, depending on which side this post, this particular blog post is on and uh, where I'm heading with the concept that we have no privacy at all. So this is where I want to talk about the four approaches that people typically take when it comes to reconciling the fact that we don't have any any privacy and uh you know what those approaches actually look like right so you you have the ignorance is bliss approach which is kind of like the default state for people and their information and their their privacy and things of that nature right there's people that just they get on the computer they get on the internet they don't really know the machinations behind the the their use of the computers it's funny in the tech world they call people like us users right i still consider myself a user because i don't really have a clear-cut um, understanding of every single piece of machination behind uh data collection and how these computers work and you know all of those things i know a little bit but we're still you i'm still a user we're, we're all typically users and users are typically in uh more of an ignorance is bliss approach where it's just like oh wow got these shiny apps and we're using these apps and we're putting in our emails or putting in our address putting in our real names and stuff like that right then you got the the other approach where some people just don't care and they go full-on gung-ho like they just go yo so what as a matter of fact, a person I would think about that's like kind of like that is Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, I don't know what he's exactly typing in when he's using apps and stuff like that as far as his personal um, information and stuff like that, personal ident identifiable information and things of that nature. Um, but I'm willing to bet that he puts in a lot of his, his real information. And um, that's because you watch his content, you listen to him talk, he's 100% on it when it comes to like social media and all these type of things because of i guess it's from his his ceo business standpoint like he's a he's a ceo he's a public figure like all his information is out there but we have a lot of instances where you know humans being humans where a lot of ceos were hacked a lot of ceos um were you know you know caught up in in, in scandals having to, to do with their, their text messages being hacked, their iClouds being hacked, all of these things being hacked. And um, there's one example that um, Kevin Mitnick brings up in his book, The Art of Invisibility. Um, I get tongue tied when I try to say that. But um, he brings up the he brings up this example where somebody got hacked because, you know, um, I guess their password was in some sort of dictionary and somebody used a brute force method um, uh, program to, to hack it. And it, it, it was crazy, but it was a, it was a well-known celebrity. Yo, Twitter, Twitter, I believe got hacked not too long ago. It's crazy. Anyway, 
um, the whole idea behind hacking in general in the first place is the fact that you're hacking information, like you're using information to gain unauthorized access. And the privacy thing is just kind of like it goes hand in hand with security, in my opinion. It goes hand in hand in security. And I've always been sort of like kind of like aware of that um, in a very in a psychological sense, because I'm more of a secretive person. I don't like people knowing too much about me because then I feel like they're going to hack my behavior or, you know, use information to kind of like hold over my head. Like not big deal thing, but, you know, if you're in a relationship and um, that person knows too much of, you know, they know where all of your emotional buttons are. They know what makes you tick then they can they can control you they can hack you right it's the same thing in the, the the virtual world if someone knows too much about you they can use that same information to hack into your accounts and make you say things that you never said make you say things that you never that you never um that you never would say and there's there's uh and also in the in the in the hacking or the cybersec world there's also something called zero day attacks where there's vulnerabilities and exploits that's been in a piece of software or, or or a device or whatever or whatever it is from you know day one or not day one typically but for a very long time because that's a bad pun day one is a very bad pun to, to to put in with zero day uh zero day attacks but um you know it's been in there for a very long time and nobody knew about it you know, um, it, it's 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 one of those type of things where, you know, you don't need that information getting out. Right. So. Some people just fully commit to giving away their data like they just don't care. Let's go. You know what? We don't have privacy anyway. So why should we care? And just go, you know, they just double down on it. And that's the weird thing about humans. You know, <laughs> we tend to you know, we tend to double down on bad behavior. And you know what? That's another topic for another podcast that really intrigues me. Um, the sunk cost fallacy, right? We tend to just double down on things and just keep going with a specific behavior despite the the proof that it's not working or it's not safe or what have you. Anyway, I'm rambling. Gosh, <laughs> got to stay on track here. Well, these things get too long. We're already at 50 minutes. All right. So the next approach is to create a pseudonym, right? I personally, personally like the pseudonymous approach, if I'm saying that word correctly. I think I just made that word up. I think I just made that word up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, the, the pseudonymous approach is one of the best ways to lower the impact that your data being revealed will have right because a lot of that data is all around fake information and we're going to get into that in a sec i love that approach um and then you have being completely anonymous and that's for people that are typically i guess criminals or or people that some people that are super paranoid some people that are super seeds and guns might be anonymous you know some people might just want to really be off the grid like legit be off the grid and they don't want people to know because even though you use a pseudonym or if you take a pseudonymous approach um you're still you're still leaving a digital footprint that's easily identifiable with anyone with a with a a, a wi-fi adapter or or 
some type of way of, of, of capturing your, your, your internet traffic or whatever, you know, I use a VPN, by the way, I love VPNs. I just, I should have been gotten a VPN, but I just got a VPN and it's lovely. Like I have not been getting any ads. Like I have never been so happy to see blank white squares in the middle of articles that I read on the internet. Like it's just, I love it. And it makes it easy to read the articles too, by the way. I mean, the opposite is true. Like advertisements make articles hard to read where you're reading a really good article and bam, an ad is right in the stream of the words that you're reading. Anyway, um, I use a VPN. I'd advise you to use a VPN. Again, VPNs are not 100% secure, meaning you can't hide from everybody. You can't hide from the cops. You can't hide from the government. Again, this is not what this podcast is about. This podcast is mainly about controlling, you know, really talking, not even controlling because I'm not really giving out tips, but it's actually talking about the fact that these businesses really have um, our information and it doesn't really belong to them. You know, we give it away. And it's in the terms of service and all that stuff. You know what they say, what they do with the information. Some don't. Some straight up just sell your shit and they don't give a fuck. Right. Like we spoke about Spokio or Spookio, whatever it's called. You know, they're one of the companies that just aggregates your data and they get that data from, you know, other companies that sold your stuff. Right. Um, I'm really curious to see how the sound on this this uh, podcast sounds, because uh, I got a whole new setup going on. I got multiple screens and my yeah, it's things are different right now. So pardon me if the the sound is not at the, the best quality. You have to excuse me. It's been a while, but, um, yeah, so we're going to, we already know what we're going to go through these, these approaches and we already know what ignorance is bliss is. We know what a full commitment to giving away data is. That's people who, you know, some people who foolishly just double down and just really don't care about, um, the amount of data they're giving away and at what rate they're giving it away. But the interesting, the interesting one is, you know, being pseudonymous, on on I think I really think I just made that word up um, and I'm too lazy to look it up. But when you're pseudonymous, it's kind of like me, for instance, you know, people know me, you know, people can really find out my real name and stuff like that. I my real name is easily identified. You can really find my real name if you really want to. It's really easy. But I like to use a fake name because I like to separate my avatar online from uh my my i guess my avatar in real life right um it's not that i i don't post anything crazy on my personal instagram i do get a little bit crazy on there sometimes but that's a private instagram nobody should even and i don't use my real information on there either but it's it's kind of nice to have that little anonymous anonymity if that's a word if I'm saying it correctly. Um, and, you know, you can fool around. You know, you can fool around. You can make jokes and stuff like that because not everybody personally, my, this is me personally, why I like to use a pseudonym. Not everybody could take your jokes, right? And say somewhere down the line, I want to do some business with somebody or applying for a job or something like that. And somebody Googles my name and they see me posting all of the crazy whack-ass jokes that I post online and they decide, you know, oh, I don't want to uh, 
I don't want to be with I don't want to be with that person. I don't want that person to uh to be at my company or I don't want to do business with that comp- that person because you know, they make these type of jokes and you know, a lot of people are just offended nowadays for no reason or for for good reason because I guess, you know, people and their feelings are their feelings and people get offended and people are people, but that's how it is. And I think it's a little bit safer to use a pseudonym because when and people know this when jobs look up your name they won't find your 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 crazy ass photos and none of that stuff on your 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 instagram or your facebook they won't see your your crazy quote-unquote crazy political views on under your name and you know maybe that job might not want to be associated with somebody who leans in a certain direction on the political spectrum or leans into the direction that you want to be associated with a person like you who leans in a, in a specific direction on this political spectrum, right? So, you know, that's typically the one of the benefits of having a pseudonym. Now, again, the businesses, if they really want to, they can find your, 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 your Instagram or your Twitter or whatever. For example, I Googled myself yesterday, and surprisingly enough, I found um, my Twitter connected to my name. Now, I know how it happened, but I, I totally forgot about it. Now, think about how many ways we just kind of like give out information unintentionally. And, you know, people use it in a way that, you know, we didn't anticipate. Like you put up a, you could put up a, I guess you can kind of like sign up on Twitter or whatever, like I did. And then you accidentally use your, 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 your personal email, you know, and that personal email is connected to something else that's personal. And then you just go down a chain of, of, you just go through a whole chain where you just, you know, it just, it just links you. It just links back to who you really are in real life and stuff like that. And I guess that's what happened to me with the the Twitter account. And I don't post anything crazy on social media in general, on public social media in general. But again, that Twitter was a uh, a Twitter with a uh, a pseudonym, and it showed up in Google in the Google search. Well, I had to really search through the 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 um I had to search through the 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 I guess the pages to find it you know and my Twitter is deactivated I don't really use social media like that anymore by the way I'm just like over social media in general like I've gotten a I think I've gotten all I uh, all I can out of social media I only go in there now to kind of like you know maybe connect with some of my friends see what they're doing because nowadays I don't know if this is this this happens to you but if you don't hit your friends up on social media, yo, you're not going to talk to them at all. That's where everybody is 24-7. They're on social media. They're, they're, they're stuck on social media. Like, they're not getting off of there, you know. And I've, like, gotten to the point where I'm just like, oh, well, this is what it is, man. So I just connect with my friends through social media. I just log on for a little bit, send them messages, see what they're up to, and then I just log off. But, uh, yeah, that Twitter page was deactivated, what have you. But let's say somebody wanted to do business with me and they ended up finding that, that, that Twitter page and say I posted some, some you know, crazy stuff on there and they don't want to be associated with that. You know, 
It's crazy, right? So using a pseudonym has its perks, but at the same time, you know, it can always get back to you. If you're really good with it, though, you know, from day one, if you're listening to this and you're you're like day one, you don't use social media, you would like to, yo, you could just definitely, you can definitely create an account with a pseudonym and you just make sure that use a VPN, you know, you make sure that you don't put your, don't give them access to your location, to your, to your, don't give these social media apps um, access to your location, to your pictures, to your microphone, none of that stuff. And then you can just go on there and, you know, be private and fool around if you want. And, you know, don't have to get, a, you know, you know, outed. A lot of people, as a matter of fact, have these little fake Instagram pages. I think they call them Finstas or something like that. Some, some, some stuff where people have fake, uh, have an alternate Instagram page and stuff like that. But oddly enough, some of these geniuses use their personal information and I know people who have these little side Instagram pages and they don't know that I know. I don't think I'm supposed to. I don't think anybody who, you know, I think I, I think the whole point of having those type of Instagram pages is so that nobody knows that you have it. It's kind of like the days of um of Tumblr. You know, I still got a Tumblr account, by the way. It's still the days of the Tumblr. The It's like the days of the Tumblr account, like. People would never want their family to find their Tumblr because Tumblr is one of those places where you can go and then you can post your private thoughts. You know, maybe you're stressing about something and you could post your private thoughts and then, you know, nobody would know, you know, like you, you can post your private thoughts about, you know, something about your family and you can blog there and, you know, nobody will know about your your innermost private thoughts. I call Tumblr like the underside of um tumblr is kind of like the underside of so uh, of social media it gets really weird on there sometimes and it's one of the reasons why i had to kind of like stop really using like sidestep it because it gets kind of crazy on there people's political views on there gets really really wild but anyway um you know it's 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 like that so you know i thought that's what fences were supposed to be about but no, a lot of people have their stuff out there, and I don't think they know that they do. They probably use personal information, and then it just links it. You know how Facebook does. Facebook just links everybody together and stuff. I keep hitting my mic. Facebook just links everybody together. But, um, yeah, pseudonyms, I would say, you know, privacy is important. Um, when you're, when you, when you want to hide from businesses and when you want to not, you don't want your employer seeing your stuff and you have that right. You know, your employer should not know what your, what your life is. You know, you have the right to, to, to be, you know, not anonymous, but you can use a pseudonym for years. I've done that. And for years, I didn't post my face on the internet because, um, I don't know. I used to do a lot of selfies and shit when I was, you know, younger, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial. I used to do a lot of selfies and shit like that. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty good looking guy. So I, <laughs> I used to be really into posting selfies and stuff like that. And then one, and then it got to a point where I used to just post the, the lower half of my face. And now I just really, I rarely post my face. Like I'll post my face like once every six months or something like that. And I call them face, re, uh, face reveals. But, um, I don't know how much long I'm going to be even doing that because even that's like kind of like strenuous. But um, 
reason why I'm bringing that up, because I find it real interesting that they have uh, these facial recognition softwares on the Internet, these facial recognition, facial recognition search engines on the Internet. I think one is called Yandex and another one is called. Oh, man, I forgot the name of it. Oh, man, I forgot the name of it. But um, there's Google Images there's yandex and there was this other one i forgot i ran my face through all three of them and only one picture came up and that was the picture that i have on my medium account and i was kind of like i pat myself on the back like i was kind of proud of myself because i'm like you know i ran pictures of people that i know you know celebrities some people that i actually know as well um, and it's kind of scary how much, how many images, how many of the images pop up on the internet. It's really, it's really crazy. Like these are public pictures though, like public pictures they have on social media that I ran through the Google, the Google machine or the Yandex machine or whatever machine that they have, um, out there. And it was really weird. Like it, you see the pictures pop up all over the place, what website it's on. And it's crazy because you think, hmm, yo, your job could be doing the same thing. Like you post a picture on your your LinkedIn, they could take that that LinkedIn and just run it that LinkedIn picture because it's it's public, and they could just run it through one of these facial recognition um, engines, and all of a sudden, they know that you have a, a Tumblr page, or they know that you have a Finsta, or they know that you have whatever, you know. Um, whatever it is that you have out there right so that's a that's a privacy that's a privacy and that's i don't know it's it's invasive but at the same time it's not because it's public like you put that out there it's public you really think about it it's public um one of the things another thing is that i haven't blogged or posted anything under my real name for a very long time well at least nothing that i didn't want people to see you know and the crazy thing is i initially started this this pseudonym as a form of expression because i've always been a shy type of person and i found it easier to use an alter ego type of pseudonym type of thing and you know so that i can you know express myself on the internet you know cuz the internet is wide it's vast it's full of a lot of different people that have similar interests to you and I thought that would be a great tool for me to get writing, post my stuff. But I was always self-conscious about my writing. So I said, you know, let me start a Tumblr. And that's why I started. The, um, that's how I got a Tumblr. I started posting my my um, my pieces on there. And I met some really cool people from Tumblr, some that I still talk to till this day and um, that I'm really good friends with till this day. And that's one of another one of the benefits of having like a pen name or a pseudonym. You can be who you want to be. You can express yourself and you end up meeting some really cool people over the Internet, you know. Um, and I think um, I don't know. I think that's dope. Um, but that's really how it started. And then I started realizing that there's benefits to having uh, an alter ego pen name alias type of thing, because now as I got older, because us, a lot of us millennials grew up on the Internet. If you started early enough like I did, you know, you grow up on the Internet. You grow up on the Internet. You grow up with a lot of companies that's on the Internet. Um, and 
you know, and you and you go into a professional world, you know, on the internet, um, while you're using the internet, and you know, I remember before LinkedIn was, I remember when LinkedIn just first came out, and I was just like so annoyed by it because I'm like, dang, like now this is like a merging of, you know, your 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 personal and professional life, and it's kind of like a whole merging. Now the the weird part about them go off on a little tangent if you watch the black um black mirror episode where they were doing social scores and i think in some countries they do social scores right now um you know that was a really creepy episode like if your social score was too low you don't get certain opportunities you know you don't get to 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 be at certain places be in certain parties be in certain areas of the of of the world and stuff like that um, and that episode, that, that shit was creepy, you know, but um, I don't know, using it, I think using the pseudonym is 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 a way that you can control the flow of your data and, and information or you can at least begin to control the flow, the data and the impact of the information, because along with putting out a pseudonym, you can put out fake security question uh, answers of fake um security questions fake answers to fake security questions right like it could be you know what uh what city did you grow up in and you could put you know uh i don't know you could put chicago and then that'd be the answer for it but jokes on them you didn't grow up in the city you grew up in the you know the rural south or something like that and um yeah that's a way to get around that and why is that important why is that important to put fake security questions well Again, people can literally just Google your name and get all the answers to your security questions just by auditing your information, your public information, right? So I don't know. Did I cover enough? Yeah, that's how you, okay, that's how you lower the impact of, you know, of your, of your, of your, um, your, your, your data, you know, the, you lower the impact of somebody having your data, and stuff you just try to make it as fake as possible on the internet just so long as you're not falsifying shit with things that you put through on you know government websites and you know anything having to do with the government law enforcement any of that stuff. that's not where you want to put fake information at when it comes to these social media websites these um uber eats and shit like that you don't got to give these motherfuckers your real name your real information you don't got to give them that of course you're going to end up giving them your address of something like that if you're doing uber eats if you're really, you know, hungry, <laughs> but you know, other than that, you don't got to give them your real, your, your real name and stuff. Your address changes. Your name typically doesn't, you know, um, I changed my name at some point, but yeah, that's another story. Um, but that's how you lower the impact of the public having your information. You know, you just try to like, try to get around it as much as possible. Cause I think a majority of it, the majority of the problem is the social media thing. But moving on to the last and final approach, because I, I was on pseudonyms too long. Um, being anonymous. Now, being anonymous, I can do a whole rant about this one too, but I'm not really going to do it because it's not really, um, this is not really the podcast for that. Like, this is not a, a hacking podcast or a criminal podcast or any of that stuff. But 
Another way that you can lower the impact or just be private in general is being anonymous. That means that how many hoops did you have to jump through? First of all, I guess it would help to have a VPN. And when I say have a VPN, I'm not even talking about. I think everybody should use a VPN, period. Like that really helps you to not be tracked by these stupid businesses that want to sell you ads and be uh, serve you ads every five minutes and stuff like that. But having a VPN, I think that's really important. On top of having a VPN, making sure that you create a VPN. See, now that's where being anonymous gets technical. It gets to be a lot of work and you just might not be interested in it like that because you have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops using a separate computer like you're going to get on the internet and do anything at all you'd have to use a separate computer that's using that vpn and um on top of that what else you don't use any personal emails on that computer meaning you don't have any email that's linked to i guess your job or whatever the case may be and on top of that even if you sign up for another email like a gmail service or a yahoo service or something like that you just you have to make sure that you don't put any real personally identifiable information in that signing up for that email because then you know what's the point you just give you just, you're not going to be anonymous when you get onto the, the the computer but there's other ways that you could be super anonymous and undetectable and all that stuff but again i'm not really interested in that part of it because my goal is to be able to get on the internet without a fucking ad being pushed in my face there was a dave Chappelle. it's crazy because dave Chappelle had a show an episode about this with the pop-ups in the mall y'all probably remember this like pop-up what pop-ups are like on on the internet now, he could have been talking about, he, maybe he downloaded some malware or some shit like that. But that's a real, I mean, at some point, that was a real problem, like pop-ups everywhere. But it still happens now, man. Like, you you, you get you, you get on the internet, you go on social media, you're trying to scroll your, you're trying to scroll your stories, or you're even trying to watch an um, Instagram TV video, and then, bam, an ad gets served to you, right? So... I mean, being anonymous helps with that definitely because you don't have any of your information being pushed out from whatever anonymous device that you're using and you're using a VPN. So, and again, oh, the benefits of a VPN, a lot of you probably already know this, is that your information is encrypted. So that's another thing. That's an encrypted end-to-end um, tunnel from whatever you, wherever you're at to wherever you're going or whatever. But... The thing with VPNs is that not all of them are created equal. You got to find a VPN that suits your needs and a VPN that's actually good, you know. So, yeah, the anonymous aspect of it, yeah, that's another approach that people could take to we don't have privacy. Get over it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that Daniel Meisler is on point when he really highlighted the formula of um, risk uh, equals risk equals probability times impact. Because again, technology is moving at such a pace where, you know, 
they're much more capable than they were in the past. And the companies that are creating the crazy thing is the companies that is that's creating the capability of these devices are the same companies that's collecting data. You know, so they're increasing the capabilities while they're collecting the data. And I think all you need to do is just control it at the source, control the data at the source, just lower the impact that you, uh, I guess you, you, you allow by making sure that your data is not something that is detrimental to any of the services that you use or the behaviors that you condone online or what have you. You just have to figure out how you want to use it or if you even care, you know, because some people don't care. Some people just still going to, you know, keep it moving. Right. So I don't know. That's pretty much that. I mean, what we did, we did an hour and 16 minutes. It's crazy, 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 crazy. But that's pretty much that. I mean, I'll try to make these podcasts on a regular basis, but I am blogging like crazy. I'm still blogging. Um, and I'm saying I'm blogging like crazy and I didn't write a blog since Christmas Eve, but I've been reading like crazy. So you know that I'll be having more to say on a lot of different topics. Um, but yeah, this is a fun podcast. Very, uh, very technical in some places too, but, um, I don't know. You can let me know what you think as well. Um, my, I don't know if I gave you guys my new email. My new email is Anthony at Anthony Boyd dot blog, right? So Anthony at Anthony Boyd dot blog. You can, uh, send me, send me what you think about privacy and all of that. If you just want to chat or whatever hang out on the internet just um just hit me up but thanks for listening and um happy new year peace